filibuster is supported through Patreon by listeners like you. Check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster. We also get support from the Ehrlich Law Office, discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions for the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia. They handle workplace discrimination, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, and a whole lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Normally when we start recording, uh, Ben sends us a little link to let us know that, it, or that it's time to start the show. And usually the first few minutes before that link comes, we do a little tiny bit of discussion just to confirm some things. Um, and while Ben and Adam were talking about the first segment and a guest and this and that, uh, I had to let them know that I was a few minutes behind schedule because I was busy and lost track of time making an open cup spreadsheet. Uh, because the Open Cup first round pairings were announced today, and it's a spreadsheet that's probably not going to go anywhere or like accomplish anything. Like it's not going to be. I don't have any intentions of writing an article about the first round pairings. Of the th- I've got too much to do to cover that. Um, Remember, really, the first round involves no MLS teams, right? It, it does no, involve the USL League One. So the Richmond Kickers are in the first round this year, but it is. USL League One, uh, USL League Two, and various uh, semi-pro amateur teams. Um, And it's just for me. Uh, It's just a spreadsheet that will allow me to uh, look back and fill in information when the games happen next month. And uh, that's that's a thing that I lost track of time with on a night where I had something to do. uh, Jason. Had to, yeah. As as an archivist, I, I know you have tons of spreadsheets. I, it, it comes up into my mind often. Please save these somewhere that isn't on your computer. Isn't even. No, in, I have, I have an external hard drive. Um, is it in your house though? You need to save them on things that aren't in your house. That's the, one of the principles of digital archiving. Cloud, is, Jason. Yeah. Save, and, save the lots of copies. Keep stuff safe is a digital this, archiving mantra. This specific spreadsheet is actually a um, Google sheet. So it's not physically okay. saved in my house. Um, a bunch of the old stuff is on an old, um, external hard drive, but a lot of the new stuff is just Put in, it in the cloud, box. um, which I'm going to break hand, in your house. I'm going to break into your house and put it in the cloud. Ben is the weirdest burglar in the world. <laughs> well, he's not, he's not a burglar if he doesn't take anything, right? He's just breaking and entering. I think no, breaking and entering in a residence in Virginia is the definition of burglary. But I'm not going to be breaking and entering in Virginia. I'm going to be in Maryland. That's a good point. I don't know Maryland law. Maryland law is like bird law. Why would you know the specifics of whether, okay, I am looking it up, and and burglary legally is entry into a building with intent to commit a crime, especially theft, but that's not excluding uh, uploading documents to the class. Is is digital archiving theft? Uh, it, it is if it's private so. data, then you don't have permission to do it. So, Jason, if you give him permission here, then I guess it wouldn't be a crime except right. for the breaking and entering part. Right. Well, I'll consider my options uh, and figure out whether I want to tell Ben he was allowed or not. I'm just thinking you should start your own Patreon and give people access to, to view no. your, your various pay, spreadsheets. No, pay to our Patreon. <laughs> should we make it a Patreon benefit that you get to look at Jason's myriad and sundry spreadsheets 
Yeah. I mean, only if Jason's willing, but <laughs> I, I'll speak for Jason. Bet, all right. <laughs> so this will work by more more people donating to our Patreon. Yes, if you pay enough, I will Jason's break in. Yes, and uploading exactly. them. Uh, and and I'm just going to sit back here and not not make spreadsheets and not break so, into either of your houses. And this up, works out well for me. To sum up, you guys are making business arrangements with things that I've done on my own that you've yes. had nothing to do with. Uh, and also urging our listeners to fund Ben's burglary adventure to my house. Not um, burglary, if you give me permission. It, right, but but as of right, now... As I of right now, yeah, it is so Ben's it would burglary be, adventure. It is currently a burglary adventure. <laughs> Uh, also that some people could read, uh, an open cup spreadsheet that I would, I would be utterly shocked if more than four people wanted to see on planet earth. You have an obscene number of other spreadsheets, at least some of which somebody is bound to find interesting. I really, I, uh, my, my archivist heart wants to help preserve these things because like they're preserved uh, by, uh, one of the evil corporations. I don't trust those evil corporations. Well, neither do I, but I don't really have a better solution. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is <laughs> Filibuster, the Black and Red United and Spreadsheet Burgling podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined by Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. We're all from blackandredunited.com, where we write about DC United. And this week we are a little bit sad. Not a lot sad, but a little bit sad. Um, DC United had a rough week. Speak for uh, yourself. Uh, DC United had a rough week, uh, getting one point out of two home games, um, a bad loss to LAFC, followed by a scoreless draw against Montreal. Uh, we'll be talking about both of those in the second segment. We will have a guest on to help us preview DC United's trip to Colorado next weekend or this coming weekend. Um, that game is Saturday, April 13th, 9 o'clock. Watch it on Flow FC or on ESPN Plus if you're outside of the blackout radius. Um, before we talk about any of that, though, regular listeners know what's coming next. Ben Bromley, what are you drinking? I went with a drink I've had uh, once or twice before. Haven't had it in a long time. I went with a bee's knees, which is basically an old-fashioned, but instead of simple syrup, it is honey. And I enjoy it very much. Nice. Jason. Uh, I guess a week and a half, two weeks ago, I opened up, I guess it's a, it's a week today. Um, I opened up a jar of tequila, uh, Omeca Altos uh, Blanco that I infused with some Fresno chilies. Um, it's pretty awesome. It's very spicy, but it's not like painfully spicy. It's right, right where you want it to be. If you really want a spicy drink. Um, so I took that and I made myself a Paloma with 50% the, the, of the tequila. 50% is the infused uh, chili tequila and the other 50% is Patron Silver. Um, and I've got to say, it's pretty damn good. Nice. I, I'm a, uh, a, a, a basic person living in D.C. and the weather got nice. So I... Don't know how it happened. I found myself with a glass of rosé in front of me, and and I'm drinking it, and it feels right. It feels correct. Is it from a a winery? It yes, it is wine. Right. It, I did not. A, I did not go I mean, to a winery and get it. Adam, I got it at the grocery store. This wine could be some sort of Pruno or something. It doesn't have to come from a winery. 
It's, you know, it's, uh, are you drinking? Bruno? It is, it is lab grown. <laughs> Did you make your own rosé? <laughs> you know, it, it's like, it's like beyond meat or, or, um, impossible burger. It's like that, but wine. So it's Kool-Aid with vodka in it. <laughs> no, cause it's not super sweet. It's a very, very dry, um, almost musky rosé. Mm. Um, it's, it, it it's interesting. I don't think it would be a really good, very warm weather rosé, just because that muskiness would come out a little bit too much. But um, for you know what the weather is right now as we record this, at least in DC, certainly not in the Midwest right now, where an epic April winter storm is destroying everything. Um, yeah, it works. It works well enough. Do you guys want to keep talking about other stuff or? Should we get to the the soccer? Because I could keep talking about other stuff. We could just do an hour of not soccer. I think that'd be as useful. <laughs> uh, we probably have to face the music here. Uh, in that case, um, it was the roughest week of DC United's young 2019 season. So far, the Black and Red managed one point and zero goals. <laughs> In two home games, falling first to LAFC four to nothing before settling for a scoreless draw against the Montreal Impact uh, on Tuesday night. This, then, to say the least, was not what we were uh, hoping or expecting uh, this time last week. No, it was uh, very bad. Uh, LAFC, obviously, they are the best team in the West right now. We'll, we'll probably get into it a little more, but. They shouldn't have lost four to zero, but I'm them losing is not a shock. Uh, them losing, them uh, drawing a uh, Montreal Impact team that didn't have uh, Ruti or Piatti and started six homegrown players uh, at home. That is that that's. Uh, almost worse. Uh, I mean, I know they got the point out of that game and not out of the LAFC game, but the performance there was just as shocking if, if just in a different way. So it was, it was bad on both fronts. And I mean, one point is at least it's one more point that they had before this week started, but it's not great. It was a pretty bad week. Yeah. Let's um, let's just, Dive into what went wrong against LAFC, aside from everything. Um, I, I, I'm going to use my host prerogative to, to kick it off um, and focus on the defensive midfield, which was, was real bad. The tackling was off. The passing was very off. Um, the decision-making, and this was, this was actually true in both games, decision-making was just so slow from... Uh, Junior Moreno and Russell Knaus in these two games that there were transition opportunities that were missed. There were turnovers that were forced. Or they they got turned over um, because just they they didn't know what they were going to do or have an idea what they were going to do before they got on the ball. And they were surveying options after they received the ball instead of playing quickly. And I, I don't know what the cause for it, but it was a major step back from from those two players in particular. And I think it was true across both games, but it was obviously much more glaring against LAFC, Jason. Yeah, and I, I, I've been thinking about the LAFC game in terms of the other bad results at Audi Field, which have been few and far between, thankfully. But um, 
there was the 2-0 loss to Philly that we all kind of wrote off as Olsen should have rotated. The team was tired and they fell behind and they lost. Um, that one's very simple. Um, the playoff game against the crew, Greg Berhalter got a lot of praise for figuring out how to isolate um, Lucho Acosta and Wayne Rooney from the rest of the team. Um, I think that is kind of useful as a comparison to the LAFC game because I think Bob Bradley did something different and maybe if anything more difficult, um, at least to my mind, um, what he did instead of isolating United's top superstars was, uh, he basically drew, you know, think of, a you know, four, two, three, one lineup graphic, like we post on the site, um, and just draw big red lines between each line of player horizontally. So the back four is cut off from the midfield or the defensive midfield. Those two are cut off from the three attacking midfielders. And then Rooney is cut off from the, the rest of the attacking midfielders. Um, in particular, um, that ability to cut the defensive midfielders di- and disconnect them from the attacking midfielders and from Rooney. Um, I think that, is the piece of the puzzle that when, when LAFC removed that from the equation for DC United, I think everything else kind of fell into place for, for Bradley's game plan. I think um, they did a good job of making sure Moreno and Canales weren't able to face up um, and, and look upfield and, and move the ball like they would like to. Um, and then from there, they did a really good job of applying pressure when both Moreno and Canales had their back, uh, faced towards the opponent's goal. So if, if those two were turned towards Bill Hamid's goal, that's when LAFC, that was their pressure trigger. That was them jumping all over whoever was on the ball. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, to me, they looked like they knew more about DC United than any team that has come to Audi field. I thought, and as far as a coaching, uh, from a coaching perspective, I thought it was the best game plan that someone has showed up, um, to play DC because, you know, Columbus, let's not forget, Yes, they got a 2-2 draw and forced penalties, but they also didn't have the better chances on the night. It just the game was very even when we felt like it shouldn't have been even. This was LAFC dominated the game in all facets. Um, And it's interesting because the numbers don't necessarily back that up. Um, They had more shots, but not like 20 to 1. Um, DC actually won the duels battle. The possession battle wasn't, it was, you know, 52 to 48 in a game where DC was down a man for over half an hour. Um, so from that side of things, it's, it's, you know, the broad trends don't point to a four nothing. It's just that when LA pounced, when they got the scenario that they wanted to really pounce and apply pressure, they then, once they got that turnover, their execution was, I mean, unfortunately for us, it was marvelous. Um, yeah, we I, er, early news, in the year, yeah, early in the year. Gonna, oh, I was going to finish up by saying the good news is that everyone else doesn't have Carlos Vela and Diego Rossi. Yes. <laughs> um, early in the year when DC United um, kind of punished Atlanta United's mistakes, it was it was nice to see someone turn the tables on on Atlanta. We now know that that the five stripes are not what they were last year anymore. Um, but this was a case of LAFC doing that to United. And it was something that Atlanta had really only done to DC once previously. And, and not a lot of other teams play like that where they, they they'll turn you over right at midfield and then just score three touches later. Um, and, and that's what LAFC did basically four times. Um, and that transition defense I think is worth, talking about because you would see 
there'd be, I know on one of the goals, I think it was Rossi's last one. Um, Moreno turned it over in midfield and right before he turned it over, Hara started sprinting upfield to get into space for, for Moreno to, to hit him immediately turns over Rossi flares into that space where that Hara had mm-hmm. vacated and, and Briant didn't react. He just kind of covered his normal space and didn't react to the, the situation that was there. Cause it all unfolded very, very quickly, but well, that's the idea. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, individual decisions and reactions were not what they needed to be for DC United in that situation. And and you just kind of saw it um, happen about four times uh, where we're just well, more than four. I mean, yeah, that's true. There were a couple of penalty. They had another chance that that was pretty good. I can't even remember which one it was, but yeah, there was the second Bill half. Bill Hamid had a couple ridiculous saves yeah, in Bill, that game too. Bill Hamid too. Did not was good. To, yeah. He Bill didn't Hamid deserve was... to have four goals scored or scored on him at all. Um, no, he's maybe the one, the one player that comes out of that game saying like, well, I did a good job. Um, yeah. And I thought, and I thought Paul Ariola was decent. I thought he was the best field player in that game, but everyone else was for United. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Obviously there were many LAFC field players who were better, but uh, yeah, it was, well, and it, it was just a disaster it, show. It's actually, it's good that you brought up Ariola. Cause I was going to forget. Um, one of the other things, um, Bradley and LAFC did really well besides disconnecting Canals and Moreno from the rest of the team was in particular, it seemed like they were ready um, whenever Ariola and Canals were trying to connect with one another. Um, they were really, really good about making sure to, to jump those passes and get in there and, and deflect things and, and make it, you know, even, even the passes that got to where they were going, you know, Canals is, He's he's got the ball, but he's under immediate pressure, and he's having to just get the ball off of his feet really quickly rather than do anything with it. Um, it's stuff like that that just um, it looked like Bradley and you know Bradley had that quote in Charlie Boehm's article the day before the game where he said uh, something along the lines of "I know I'm really good at this. I'm not sharing with that anyone else." Um, if other coaches around the league can decipher Bradley's game plan, he's obviously apparently not going to be telling anyone what it was. Um, but if they can decipher it, DC might have a problem, um, which it goes back to the point of it's good that Vela and Rossi aren't just on every team because uh, that would be real bad. Um, but I guess if there's a silver lining here that I would offer to DC fans is that what LAFC did in this game is not easy to do. It's not just something that you can plug in and, and it'll work for anybody. Um, this was a difficult game plan to execute and they did a great job of it. Um, but the good news is that a lot of other teams don't really have that combination of soccer IQ being so clinical on the ball, um, and that clarity of vision from the coach, you know, even some of the coaches that might figure out kind of what happened, they might not be able to really get, I mean, everyone from LAFC knew exactly what they needed to be doing. There was no confusion. There were no second thoughts. And that's, that was a huge factor in this game. Right. Uh, Jumping off of that, I think Bob Bradley is the best coach in this league right now, and it's by a long shot. So hopefully DC United is not going to run up against a coach, a team that has coached that well the rest of the season, perhaps going to uh, the postseason, but... That's the only place they could beat Bob Bradley again, isn't it? Right, right, right. I I think Bob Bradley is that good of a coach. I think he is, he exceeds anybody else in this league right now. And, uh, 
now, especially now that Tata Martino is gone. Uh, and so hopefully they don't meet him again until very late in the season. Yeah, LAFC is real good. Ben, you you mentioned they're the top of the West right now. They're the top of the league. I they have to be supporter shield favorites at this point. Yeah, um, now, like coming, and it's this almost game prohibitive. Actually, yeah, this game was kind of important as far as that goes um, because up until this point, DC looked like they were among that. Uh, up until the past four days, um, they were firmly among the supporter shield candidates. Um, now, you know, we have reason to have questions. If not, like, I don't think people should be like having their doubts about the quality of the team and thinking, oh, no, the sky you know, is very much where it belongs. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this was definitely an instance of LAFC making a statement. I think after the game, you know, Olsen mentioned that one of the other factors that goes beyond tactics is that LAFC also was just more motivated and dialed in. He said some of this was just one team in the first half hour of the game was going at 100% and another team was going at 70%. Um, and that's, you know, you're down three, nothing at that point. And then, you know, when the score is three, nothing. And I think anyone that watched any of the post game quotes or read any of that stuff, Olson said it, I think Ariola said it, I think Rooney said it as well. Um, at three, nothing DC started to play pretty decently. It's just, you can't be down three, nothing before you're awake and ready to go. Um, and that is another big factor here is that uh, Bradley did a great job of getting his players to come cross country and be ready to go from minute one. And maybe DC didn't do enough, you know, maybe Olsen didn't, he came up short in that department. Maybe the players themselves came up in that short in that department as well. Yeah. Uh, man, and, and man, I wish they had, subbed out the some players at halftime when they were three zero down. I mean, there's probably something as far as, you know, if you start subbing know, players, probably man management, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, you're putting players in danger of losing something in terms of morale. Um, it's, it's a difficult thing to have to do in the heat of the moment, but maybe one sub would have been nice. Um, just as a like, okay, this game is probably a lost cause. We've got a game on Tuesday. Um, let's make one sub, and I'll just make it a 100% clear to the players. Like, I'm not blaming you. Um, I'm going to go in the press conference and say that the sub wasn't putting any blame for the half on you. It's just with a mind for Tuesday because this game especially, is... Especially maybe if they had done that with Wayne Rooney before he got his red card? I mean, I don't know. Rooney might have been sitting on Tuesday regardless, and you can't you can't sit Rooney like he's That's also he's, it's an impossible thing to predict like yeah. Rooney you you generally Rooney doesn't get red cards so yeah um but you Although know this I'm one was a at, very clear red card yeah, oh for sure yeah, for sure in the uh, in the press box we saw the tackle and everyone was kind of like so that's going to be red right and then he came over and gave the yellow and um we're all looking for our various monitors or pulling up the stream uh on our computers waiting for the replay to show up. And I think the in stadium monitor had it first inside one of the radio booths. And um, I can't remember who it was. But so one of the people that was there for covering the game was like, Oh yeah, that's going to be red. Um, and Rooney, even after the game, he said, when he came over to give me the card, I assumed it was going to be red. I knew what I had done. Um, it wasn't that I set out to do that, but I knew but even before I made the contact that I was going to get there late. I saw, I knew what my foot was doing. I knew what it looked like. Um, so he was not surprised and had no, no debate or no argument for, 
Um, the yeah, and you can see it in his body language. Like when Sabiga was coming back over to him, yeah, um, he had already started taking off the armband, and like he'd gone over to check on Rossi when he was down, and like pat him, like saying that was not intentional on my yeah. part, and yeah, like but- I'm I'm taking my medicine right now. I right. I earned this card. Um, in, in and- a three nothing game, you don't have to dive in like that. I guess that's yeah. the one. And he he knows that he doesn't need us to tell him that, but um, yeah, that's the one thing I would say there. It's not. I get the idea in a three nothing game where you haven't necessarily given your best, the best version of yourselves. You know, you've kind of let yourselves down a little bit. Um, as a as a captain or as a leader on the team, you might want to make a big tackle to sort of get you know get the crowd going, spark your teammates into some sort of response. Um, but this was not this was not going to work. There there was never a moment where this tackle might have worked in this particular instance, and um, it unfortunately had major consequences on Tuesday. Yeah, I don't know if Rooney was ever going to be in line to start on Tuesday. It was such a quick turnaround. He might he may well have been, but in any event, it would have been nice to have him on the bench um, because as it was, this game. <sighs> <laughs> oh, sorry, what was that noise? Sorry. I was I, that's uh, that 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 uh, that was bad. I don't want to ever <laughs> hear that noise again. Um, you know what? Don't don't mock my sleep apnea, Ben. No, I just I just I hate noises that I hate the mouth noises. <laughs> I can't deal with them. Um, noted beatboxing aficionado Ben Bromley. No. <laughs> um, unlike Ben. Uh, right now, Montreal got the game they wanted on Tuesday. They they kept everything incredibly compact. It, I, I watched the game with with Kim McCauley, um, good friend of ours, uh, writes for for SB Nation. Um, the inventor for, for, of freedom kicks, yeah, the inventor of freedom kicks, Kim McCauley, um, managed soccer for a while at SB Nation. Fantastic writer. Um, go look her up. Uh, but she pointed out that Montreal plays their block was just so ridiculously compact it, it it wasn't like a low block or or even a mid block it was like a weird hybrid of the two where the the defensive line was pushed up a little bit um the back four were pushed up as if they were playing in a mid block but the 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 midfielders and forwards were were pulled back as if they were defending in a low block and it just created this such a crowd in the areas where united wanted to play they they weren't pressing by any stretch Montreal, but they they weren't. It, it wasn't a bunker necessarily either. It was this weird proactive defense that would have been really interesting to watch on its own merits if it hadn't destroyed a game that I was invested in. Um, but I mean, credit to Montreal, they did what they wanted to do. They got some favorable treatment from Chris Penso, but when Chris Penso's refereeing a game, you know exactly what kind of game it's going to be. You know what he's going to allow. Um, and, and DC United didn't have an answer that, you know, without Wayne Rooney out there, they just weren't able to create much of anything, which well, was kind of disheartening. I think to explain what Montreal was really up to, um, I would still call this a bunker, but it's like the walls of the bunker are a little further out than normal. Um, because they're still not taking any risks whatsoever. Um, it's just, uh, um, I think it was a very smart move from Remy guard to look at United's roster and say, you know what they don't really have right now is speed to get in behind. Um, so we can compress the space between our center forward 
and our center backs to be so low that it's all they're always having to play through 10 guys in this like 30 yard by um, 70 yard space. Um, and yeah, so and of, United was unwilling to go over the top until the after halftime, like well, they, at halftime. I mean, they had Paul Ariola and in the first two minutes after halftime, they found Paul Ariola twice in behind uh, down down the left sideline and they just weren't looking for it at all in the first half and it was but he wasn't was really getting away from um brought guillard uh, yeah who i thought did a pretty good job this is the first um i mean he'd only ever played five minutes in mls before this this is the first time i've gotten to see him at all um i was pretty impressed with him um but i when i talk about they didn't have any speed what i really mean is that they didn't have enough speed to do anything to yeah. scare montreal um, and so Montreal knew that they'd be able to deal with that. And so rather than have that extremely compressed line, uh, at the top of their box, you know, you move it upfield a little bit because you know that that's where DC does their combining. Um, even, even without Rooney, that's what they were trying to do. You know, Segura yeah. still dropping off and still trying to combine with Lucho. It's just, um, it makes it tempting for teams to jam up that space if they can. Um, the reason we didn't see it all that often last year is that United could always turn to, um, Darren Maddox and now they don't have anyone even close to as fast as Maddox. And unfortunately this, you know, when I said LAFC had a, a gave a template to the league that might be beyond most teams capabilities. What Montreal did is not beyond most teams capabilities. Um, it's tricky, but it's not that tricky. Um, you get organized, you jam up a midfield. Um, it's pretty, I mean, they got helped by the fact that it's Segura dropping off instead of Rooney. Uh, that's a big factor, of course, but um, they also, I mean, they made this look like it wasn't all that difficult that they could come in and just shut the game down and, and wait for 90 minutes to be played out and get out of there with the point. Um, and that's that's a little worrying. Yeah, hopefully um, some of it's the short rest, some of it's the the lack of Rooney. I think some of it might be the the player selection by Ben Olsen. I'm not in love with Ulysses Segura at forward. Um, the The team looked much livelier once Quincy, Quincy Ameriqua, botched finish and all, came on. They looked better when TT Rodriguez came on, and he adds a little bit of speed as well. Um, Zoltan Stieber, as much as I want him to succeed, was was almost invisible in this game. I know he was out there because he he took some Man, corner kicks rough. in front of me. Um, but other than that, like you could tell, like when he got the ball, they were like, "Don't let him on his left foot," and he can't force his way into his left foot. Unlike Carlos Vela, he he can't make you play his right foot when you don't want to. Um, and and, he didn't and so do he anything was just to change that. Like he there was no, no he didn't. There was no um, urgency to his play, and that made it very easy for Montreal to say, okay, uh, force forced him onto his bad foot, and um, you know he's not going to beat you on the run. He's not going to beat you with physical strength, uh, and you've put him on his bad foot, so he's probably just going to complete a sideways pass, and the game will carry on in the same rhythm it has, and that happened over and over again. Yeah. Uh, I guess the... Last thing to talk about in this game uh, is a couple of injuries to DC United fullbacks. Chris McCann came out with a hamstring 
injury after um, sprinting back to cover uh, the run of a player who's much, much faster than he is. Uh, I think the report on him is he'll be out at least a month recovering from from this uh, hamstring. And um, Leo Hara will also be out pro- well, against Colorado. Almost we, don't, we don't know that. We don't, no, we don't know that. It's, it's probably that he's going to be out, but okay. it's not set in stone. Okay. Leo Hara seems at the very best questionable for Colorado uh, over the weekend, but you know, not much beyond that. Hopefully he, uh, he took a tumble inexplicably not called a foul. He went up for a header and a, a Montreal player backed underneath yeah. him. At least it looked like that from my angle. He also and mentioned he just, it after the game as, as he crashed he down sure on mention, his shoulder. He made sure to mention that no foul. He, he said, you know, Hara um, hurt his shoulder on a foul, or I guess not a foul uh, because it wasn't yeah. called. So um, he did make sure to mention that because, I mean, it's frustrating that the number of, it's frustrating to come after a game like that where a lot of fouls are just being uncalled because mm-hmm. if you're Penso, you've got to be aware that um, uh, this is something referees are told. You know, if a team comes in with the explicit intent to commit fouls at times, you need to be aware of it and start punishing it a little more harshly because it's a tactic rather than an accident. Um, right. And he didn't do a very good job of that. Um, but yeah, this was one also looked frustrated. Also was also frustrated because of how many fullback injuries he's had to deal with. Yeah. This play in particular, I, I don't know if it was part of a tactic. It was it, Hara went in really hard to, to get this header, but the Montreal player, cut out his legs from under him that's a foul whether it's intentional or not it, right. it has to be a foul um one player is not going for the ball and one player is and he gets hurt on the play it's it's unbelievable that it's not a foul doesn't there doesn't have to be intent is the thing um and yeah i just don't understand what chris penso was doing there and leo Hara gets hurt as a result um i'm much more you know fired up about that than anything else in this game, which was uh, mostly not worth talking about. Anything else from the last two games or, or looking ahead that you guys want to talk about before we take a quick break and bring on our guest? Yeah, I, I, I just want to bring up the fact that DC United didn't need to sign more fullbacks this offseason. They needed to sign better fullbacks. Chris McCann is a fullback, but as the first choice off the bench fullback, he wasn't good enough and now he's injured. And Akeem Ward, I I, I hope he plays well. Uh, he was their draft pick, but we don't know about him yet. And O'Neill Fisher, I hope he uh, gets better quickly. It doesn't seem like he's going to play this year at all based on Steve Goff's reporting, but they needed to take that into consideration. And now we're way down the depth chart at fullbacks. And this is something that they could have seen a little bit going forward. And it's just hard to see that this position that they knew they needed to upgrade in the off season, they signed a good player in Leo Hara. I, I, I've liked Leo Hara for the most part, although his uh, throw-ins drive me mad. Um Hey, he didn't get called for a foul throw in this game, even though his first long throw in was very, very much a foul throw. Um, right. And he just didn't we also, get called. 
Can we also just say his <laughs> long throw-ins are not very good as long throw-ins. Right. They are looping and they don't actually get all the way into like the goal well, mouth. Right. They, and and almost every throw almost every throw-in he put he picks his foot up. Like almost every throw-in is illegal that he does. Um I will say I kind of disagree a little bit, Adam, in that um they aren't very good in terms of what normally works from those situations. But that said, DC has gotten their heads. I, th- I think it's almost like if we loop it up there and burn bomb and Briant are fighting with um, anyone in MLS, there's a decent chance that they're going to win that first header. Um, and that really is the whole job in that situation. Like it would be cool to have the, um, to throw it back a few years to have the Darius Barnes, uh 50 yard rifle throw in. Um, but uh, if the looping throw ends up being effective, I'm not going to get too caught up in the um, the fact that it is kind of a predictable, slow looping throw. And if they're making something happen from it, then fine. Um, he does have to figure out how to do this without lifting his back foot, though, because it's going to get <laughs> called because he's already been caught twice now. Ben, ben pointed this out, that there was a second one that uh, Streff and I had forgotten previously. Um so it's already been called twice, and it's probably that's probably like two thirds of the and foul throwing calls in MLS this year. Um, and he does it every time, so he's got to figure out how to do it without because it's. I guarantee that if Hara has a long throw that DC turns into a goal, and his foot comes up, we're either going to see VAR or an opposing coach complain about it, and then he's going to get called every single time without a doubt. Especially with I'm, Mark Geiger as the head of referees now. Yeah, so it, he has to if he can do the long throw uh, without you know all you really need to do you don't even need to actually have your feet like in the dirt you need to, your toe to be close enough to close. the top plate yeah. of grass that it, you're it's close enough. What he's doing is a solid like half a foot off the ground. Um, it's not close. Now, uh, back to Ben's point on the fullbacks. Um, Losing three fullbacks in a week span, essentially, or, or a little more than a week span, is incredibly bad luck. And I'm not sure any yeah. MLS teams have the depth to deal and, with that. I'm not going to begrudge O'Neill Fisher, his roster yeah. spot, especially since there are empty slots. They still um, should have signed someone better. Right now? That That's and, that's fine. I don't know who that is. I don't know who was available that they, they would have gone and gotten. Right. Um, Chris McCann McCann fell into their laps at no money. Essentially, he's on the league minimum, at least as far as United's concerned. It's a bad signing. It's not a bad signing. It's a they okay. You're right. It's not a bad signing. Nobody. You're right. right. It's not a bad signing. They could have signed somebody else or somebody additionally. I think that's a fair argument. But when a player from a championship team, um, who can help your, you know provide some some additional veteran leadership, make your star striker feel a little bit m- more comfortable, um, kind of help the younger fullbacks acclimate to the league and and grow. Um, because he he has played in the Premier League. He has been around MLS for a couple of years now. Um, it it it's not a bad signing. It's you you can say they could have gotten somebody else in addition to it. I'm not gonna argue with that necessarily but we're in this situation because uh joseph mora had his jaw broken for him leo hara had his collarbone smashed for him and and chris mccann's muscle snapped um 
you know, that it's, it's bad well, luck. I mean, we go further with this. Um, Fisher's injury comes from a collision with Bill Hamid. Yeah. Um, Chris Odoyachim has the worst luck of everyone. He ends up with yeah. Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, I'm looking at the DC United injury list right now, and there are six players on it. Five of them are fullbacks. Uh, Antonio <laughs> Bustamante is the only other person with an injury. Um, and DC has six fullbacks and five of them are injured. It's, it's, I mean, it's granted. Pretty, we knew two of them would be long-term on the shelf sure, coming into this sure. year. Um, so that's, that's, exactly. that's four that's fullbacks, but that's definitely a point for Ben. Um, yeah. But when I think about McCann, um, I think McCann would have been a great signing for some of the DC teams of the past because of how they, those teams approached the game. Um, but the way this team plays now, they need someone more similar to Mora and McCann mm-hmm. doesn't play left back like Joseph Mora does. Um, exactly. he, doesn't, he doesn't have the speed. He doesn't, and he knows he doesn't have the speed. So he's not trying to, you know, it's all just, I'm going to come forward to support the attack and maybe hit some deep crosses, but I'm not overlapping more than like once a month. Um, and they've, you know, they lose that. Um, and I, I think McCann was definitely a fallback. It was a, look, we need a left back that can play MLS level soccer. And we can't really be picky at this moment because the preseason is about to end. Um, let's look around and see what we can grab out there um, as quickly as possible. It's going to be the easiest player to acclimate to uh, coming here. And McCann was probably the whole list. It probably was not a, a law. It was probably a lot of like, no, that's not going to work. Not that going to work. There's not a lot um, of great or even good left backs around. Well, there's a, there aren't a lot of fullbacks in uh, America. Um, men's soccer, women's soccer, college, uh, USL, amateur league, indoor league, uh, MLS, uh, NWSL, everything. Like we just don't, we do a miserable job as a nation of creating fullbacks. If you're play, if, if you've got a kid and your kid seems like they might have some of some basic fullback traits at like eight years old, just encourage them to be good at being a fullback. Uh, they will find a place somewhere because they will be 10 years ahead of everyone else because everyone DeAndre else gets, Yedlin plays in the premier league. <laughs> everyone else gets to be 18. And then like Akeem Ward, for example, Akeem Ward was cre- um, recruited by Creighton while being a winger forward. And then he arrived at Creighton and they were said, we're going to convert you to being a fullback. Imagine how much better he would be if he had had five, six more years of actual fullback training. Um, and that's at a really good youth club. I mean, this is just happening everywhere. It's obviously, as you can hear, uh, it's something that drives me nuts on a regular basis uh, for every team we cover and every game I watch. It just, we don't develop fullbacks. I don't know why, but we, we do not do it. Or I do kind of know why, but we should yeah. do it. Do a better job. We should. And yeah, I'm actually surprised. Uh, I'm not surprised. I, I'm curious whether we'll see Akeem Ward with the first team getting I mean, minutes during this upcoming stretch. against Colorado. Um, actually, we should probably mention that. Um, count, um I can't. I mean, Ariel is probably going to start, but I just can't. I, you know, everyone who listens yeah. to this know, knows how much I hate it. But I mean, it's it, probably going to happen. It it really is. You know, playing Ariola and Robinson and having one of them play out of position at left back, or having Ward play left back against the Rapids, because um, mm-hmm. right now, in terms of available players for DC United. Uh, ben Olsen has 19 players to choose from and three of them are goalkeepers and he's probably but if not we started goal- Griffin Yao. How about we start Griffin Yao? Well, I mean, I think, are you starting the Griffin Yao to fullback train now, Ben? No, not fullback in the midfield. 
But also, credit where credit's due, I believe Travis Clark has already mentioned that prospect down the road for Yao, but yeah, not yeah, anytime yeah. soon. Um, I'm not the first person not, to do it. I'm just the yeah. I, I'm just the first person on this podcast to do it in this episode. Um, that is fair. Uh, but yeah, um, <laughs> no, we're, we're going to be looking at an 18 where Ward has a pretty decent chance of starting, uh, and probably Yao probably dresses. I mean, um, unless there's some other thing going on where they're like, look, uh, it's probably better for you to stay and do this. But um, yeah, it's got to be something they're considering for the simple, I mean, the simple math required the, ben- the bench at, the bench at Colorado is just the same as uh USL level soccer. So what, what does it matter? Well, if he plays, if he goes with Loudon, he'll be playing that game. True. But who, we'll, we'll I just see. wanted we'll, to duck on Colorado. I mean, sure. <laughs> MLS teams have traveled less than 18 many times oh, before. Yeah. It's definitely an option, but if Olsen says, um, you know, I need my full 18 um, for this trip to Colorado because we have this short turnaround to get to full 18 uh, and have six field players on your subs bench. Yao has to travel. That's yeah. the, o- the only way it will work unless someone magic, like unless Hara is okay, which I think is like a less than 25% chance to play this game. Um, Jason, are you ready? You to suit up for this game? Uh, I don't have a plane ticket to Colorado, so that's going to be yeah. tough. Well, they're going to have to come scoop me up from the soccer plex. I've got the Spirit Media Day. They're going to have to come pick me up and, and bring me in um, okay. if they want me to come That'll along. probably count as a charter flight. I don't think they're going to do it. Um, ben, I think you better be ready. <laughs> oh, oh no. <laughs> uh, I'm left-footed, and I played some fullback in, in oh, middle school. That sounds pretty good. You ride a bike. Also. Okay, Adam, 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 <laughs> you're going. Anyway, um, <laughs> before, before, yeah, it'll go real great. Adam, Adam is in the 18 when you heard it here first. Um, help me pick my number, guys. Um, write in filibusterpodcast at gmail.com at filibusterdcu. Um, all right, Ben's right. That, that'll be my number. Uh, <laughs> That's it for this segment. We will be right back to preview this game in Colorado at altitude at short rest or on short rest. What could possibly go wrong? We're going to preview it right after this. Please stick around. It's filibuster. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is our goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are, are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious, in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if 
you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. DC United are out in Colorado this weekend to face Anthony Hudson's Colorado Rapids at Dick's Sporting Goods Park. Watch it Saturday, 9 p.m. on Flow Sports or ESPN+. Abby Mood runs Burgundy Wave on SB Nation, our sister site, and she joins us now to help us preview this one. Abby, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for inviting me. Of course, thanks for coming on. What are you drinking tonight? I just took a drink. (laughs) I am just drinking water, but in a Rapids cup, so I'm feeling very ready for this conversation. How is the water where, where you live? It's good. It's solid tap water. I'm not right. embarrassed to if, say if that I solid, drink it. If it comes out of the pipe solid, that's that's a problem. I mean, that's <laughs> a if whole kids, I'm allowed to make dad <laughs> sure. jokes. I just want to point that out. <laughs> um, although I guess with the weather out there right now, it wouldn't be a total surprise if it did come out frozen. Um, oh you guys are yeah. in in it right now. Yeah, we're having one of our spring blizzards, so that's lovely. Um, the game we were supposed to play Seattle tonight, and that game was canceled. So, um, yeah, it's been a lovely, and we hate lovely that. day. <laughs> Fantasy I, players sure really do. hate it. Yeah, I and, missed out on the double game week players last night with DC and Montreal. So I'm not so sad for everyone else that's missing out on double <laughs> game week for Seattle. Uh, I assume um, Root Sports or whoever carries the game is just showing instead of of the game that was supposed to be on. They're just showing the Snow Classico against Costa Rica, right? I mean, we ours is altitude and it's owned by the Cronky Overlords, so I'm sure they're playing the Nuggets or some other sporting event. But it'd be cool if they showed the, the Snow Classico. Are they just I mean, gonna play Arsenal, maybe? Oh, perhaps because we are playing them this summer. That's like the big news around here. Oh, okay. Are you gonna call it the the Cranky Derby? We should for and sure. The logo will just be a crying baby. <laughs> yes, See, that's is- a good idea. This is much better because the first thing I thought was that they would just show a still photo of Stan Kroenke for the entire however many hours they have to kill. <laughs> I mean, I Not guess that's always an option. <laughs> so you just be like, is it, did it freeze? What's happening? But it, no, it's just a still photo. Either that or an infomercial for the Rams new stadium in LA. Oh gosh. So many <laughs> options here. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about better things. Um, Kofi Opari used to play for DC United. He's well-loved by the fans out here. He's now out in Colorado, and he got his first start this past weekend. What can you tell us about how Kofi's doing out there? Um, he he did all right. Um, I think the issue is that Hudson and the rest of the coaching staff, they're chill, still trying to figure out what combination of center backs is going to work well, um, or at this point, like just be competent. So um, getting Kofi in, I mean, he was injured in preseason and I'm not sure if it was the same foot that he recently had surgery on or um, something, a different issue, but he was injured in preseason. So everyone was pretty excited to see him healthy enough to get the start and see what he can do. Um, And our standards are a little bit low around here. So I'm just happy that he didn't make any mistakes. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's doing all right. I I didn't really hear anything necessarily um, negative about him, but I also didn't really hear anyone saying anything super positive about him either. Uh. Abby, you, you, where I guess we've already mentioned um, Anthony Hudson, I do want to share 
um, with you and with our listeners, a small uh, anecdote from coming home from the draft this year. Um, I was getting pizza at Midway Airport and the people in the table near me had a dog. And uh, Anthony Hudson went out of his way. He spotted the dog and then looked at it for a moment and then came over and very politely asked if he could pet the dog. And they said yes. And he was very happy to get to pet a dog before he had to fly back to Colorado. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> which which I thought was, was pretty spectacular, um, especially since a different MLS coach who is known for being dour and people can probably put it together who it is. Um, looked at the same dog uh, a few minutes earlier and was very unhappy to see a dog at the airport. <laughs> Just um, scowled at him. He did literally scowl. Um, oh, no. <laughs> which I'm, I've probably given away just by that. If, if anyone's been listening to the show, you probably know who I'm thinking of when I think of a scowling MLS coach, and it's it's that guy. Um, but uh, back to actual soccer and, and not dogs. Um, Hudson has really made... Um, a full commitment to uh, playing mostly out of a diamond. I have seen a couple phases of games where it's more of like a box than a diamond. Um, so far, how do you think the team is adjusting to that style of play as opposed to the back five that he started with last year? Yeah, I think it works better than um, the five, three, two that he was trying to run or three, five, two, however you want to look at it. Um, Cause I just don't know that we, like we had Edgar Castillo and he was doing fine in that kind of system, but it just didn't work well uh, with the players that we had. So I feel like going to a more standard four, four, two, um, it, the, com- the players are more comfortable with it and it just seems to make more sense. Although last week against Orlando, he pulled out, um, a four, two, three, one, which seemed to actually work pretty well because we scored three goals. Um, so I'd like to actually see more of that and see how that works in the system with the players that we have. Um, but I think either way, I think we need to never speak of the old formation <laughs> ever again. So Abby, I love Tim Howard. You love Tim Howard. Why is Tim Howard still starting for this team? Because who's going to bench Tim Howard? Honestly. But you're not doing so bad. I mean, he last year there were definitely questions about why he was still starting, why they didn't bench him for McMath. I think it's because gold don't rust. I mean, (laughs) there's that. (laughs) I also think like as a new coach, Tim Howard's older than Anthony Hudson. So I don't really think Hudson was going to come in and tell Tim Howard that he was going to sit on the bench. So I think that's a piece of it. He's been better this year. I will say so far. He has been better this year. Last year, there were some cringy moments and I was really questioning if he was going to even make it through this season, but so far he's been all right. So I don't know if he's got like that last season kind of fire under him or, or what's going on, but he's been doing all right. I have to give him some credit. I'm certainly hoping that, um, we see a recreation of Wayne Rooney's first MLS goal, which was against Tim Howard. Yeah, I'd be okay without that, but (laughs) I know a lot of people are coming out on Saturday hoping to see Rooney, but I just saw he missed practice with flu-like symptoms. Yeah, he also was supposed to watch the game last night and had it, so it was either the way worse of a hangover than anyone (laughs) has ever had. Um, a two day hangover or, well, or it's actual which, stomach flu. <laughs> I mean, if he missed out, like he would have missed out on a chance to go um, hang out with the caps and hockey players are known for their ability to drink. 
Um, so if it was a hangover situation, he really he really uh, screwed up on that one. Um, but shouldn't he be able to like keep up with them? I, I mean, I mean, he makes a chance to work with like, them at all. Uh, a couple of those guys that that showed up are like gigantic men, so maybe he would have <laughs> been at a small deficit uh, at some point. But um, yeah, I mean, we won't find out until after this podcast exists as to whether he made the flight or not. Um, which is, given the way the game went, a pretty big thing to worry about. Mm-hmm. So, do you guys think that it's that he could potentially miss this game, or there is not a chance? Hey, I think I don't think there's much of a chance. Yeah, I think he's probably going to make the flight unless it's a like, look, he's sick and he's contagious and he'll just get everyone sick and we'll show up and have like eight players dressed like a the sad, you know, outdoor uh, Sunday league team that is like, well, these are the eight people that showed up with their uniforms. So this is the team we have to play <laughs> with what we've today. Got today. <laughs> um, Abby, I, I know um, one of the the big bright spots for Colorado um, going back to last year and into this year has been the um, Cole Bassett, not just getting signed and getting some minutes, but actually really becoming a starter. Um, what for, for our listeners that maybe haven't seen the Rapids too much and don't really know much about Cole Bassett. Um, give us a little bit of an intro to the whole subject of Cole Bassett. Yeah. So he, when he was signed last year, he was the Rapids youngest signing at 17, which pains me because I think he was born like the year I graduated from high school or something. So these younger kids, I'm not super excited about them. Um, But Cole came in and he got a couple starts kind of out of necessity last year. But then this year he's really, uh, I think he's earned his starting position in the midfield and he's just like, he's, he's puts in the work. Like he's after practice. I mean, in part of it's because he's 17 and you know, they can go forever, but he stays after practice and works on specific, um, like specific drills and works on shooting. And I know he said last year that he wanted to um, get more shots on frame and things like that. And then we saw last week, he got an amazing pat, like, Cross the field pass from Benny Fellhaber, and then he co- took a couple dribbles, took on a defender, and then scored and went. I, I don't think it was upper ninety. I don't want to give him too much credit, but it was a good shot um, and scored. So he's really like he's confident and he's calm, and it's just things that you don't normal. At least you wouldn't expect to see out of a kid who's still in high school. You all signed a what we may describe as a Philadelphia union cast off in Keegan Rosenberry. Uh, how's he done so far this year? I, he had some issues with the union, but he has been well touted as a excellent fullback prospect. How, how's he done for y'all this so far this year? He's, he's been all right. I mean, it's hard to say that anyone's really done well, to be honest, when you look at the Rapids record, cause they haven't, they've yet to win a game. Um, but I think as far as Keegan Rosenberry goes, um, there was kind of a lot of hype around him and um, him being a young right back and, you know, all of those things. And he, I think he's what we're seeing is that he's a bit inconsistent. So a lot of the goals that have been scored on the Rapids have come from his side. Um, but he also like gets up and down the field. He's crossing in balls like he's he's just when he's there, you know, he's there, but he can also kind of disappear so in my opinion he's been um somewhat inconsistent for us so hopefully he'll start getting in a rhythm once we can figure out this um center back mess um and then maybe start getting some consistency with the whole across the whole back line not just with him 
Uh, Abby, I was looking at, I was actually looking at DC's injury list for our previous segment. Um, but then I scrolled up a little bit. Um, and I know Diego Rubio didn't play in the game against Orlando. Um, I think he's listed currently as questionable. Do you think he's got any chance of playing any part in this one or is he still going to be out for a little bit? I'm not even sure what happened in the first place, to be honest, because I saw him at practice one day and then a couple days later he was on the injury list. So I don't know if it was just something minor that happened at practice. Um, I'm hoping he's back and I'm thinking maybe that's why um, Hudson kind of adjusted to just have the one forward up top with Kai Kamara um, against Orlando because Rubio was out. Um, but we, I mean, we have some decent ish um, other options. So I, I hope we see Rubio, but I don't think it's the end of the world if we don't from our perspective, at least. We like to end um, these types of segments by, by asking you to kind of, um, change sides for just a minute. And if you were, if you found yourself in a position where you had to game plan against the Rapids, what would you be focusing on? What would you try to take away from Anthony Hudson's t- side? And and what would you be trying to exploit? Well, um, something that's been an issue for the Rapids is when they come to slow start or when they, they have slow starts and other teams score early, they have a hard time recovering. So I would suggest coming out strong, coming out fast, especially if you're DC at altitude, you want to come out fast and get some an early goal or two anyway, so that when you start to lose steam towards the end of the game, you're not trying to play catch up. Um, but I think just take advantage of the potential for the Rapids to start out on the slower side. And then, as I mentioned a couple times, I don't even know who's going to be the center back pairing. It hasn't, I think it might have been consistent for two games, but it's, they're still trying to figure it out with injuries and players. And, and like I mentioned, Keegan Rosenberry on the one side has been exploited. Then we had Dylan Serna on our left side and he just has been getting burned by everyone on these other teams. So the back line's kind of a mess right now. And I think other teams um, have the opportunity to really take advantage of it and get some, get a goal or two early and then just kind of hold them to it. Abby Mood, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you online? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not. I'm assuming most of them are probably not interested in Rapids content, but just in case, you'd be surprised. <laughs> At, we, we have um, some fans who just want to consume all the MLS stuff they can. Okay, so. that's fair. That's fair. So, um, as you mentioned in the beginning, I run the I run Burgundy Wave, so BurgundyWave.com, and then I'm also on Twitter at Abby Mood. It's A B B I E M O O D, and the Instagram and all of the places. I don't know how many Instagram shouts we've had on our show because we're we're older millennials, um, and but you should also follow our Instagram because we put yeah, there. Sometimes. We have one. We we don't really shout it out. And well, but, what is it? I like Now's it. Your we're, opportunity. We're ben, uh, I think it's black and red. You. <laughs> we're pretty. <laughs> like everything sure. else is definitely. It's actually. It's actually almost not probably that, black and red. It's uh, black and red united. Yes, uh, Instagram Beans. allowed us to spell the whole thing. <laughs> and we decided to make it more complicated, I guess. Anyway, find us on Instagram at Black and Red United, <laughs> at blackandredunited.com uh, on your traditional old people internet. Um, we're on Twitter at filibusterdcu for the podcast, at blackandredu. 
just you on Twitter. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. I'm told rating and reviews are very helpful. We'd really appreciate it, though, if when you're at the bar on Saturday before the game, tell a friend about the podcast. And by the way, I meant to shout this out earlier. Um, If you're looking for a bar for this weekend's game, Finn McCool's on Capitol Hill, Barracks Row, 8th Street Southeast. Uh, It's the Barra Brava official watch party. They are going to be holding a raffle with all proceeds going to uh, Big Rob, uh, who, if you've been paying any attention at all, you know, is dealing with cancer and um, the financial issues that come from having cancer and getting it treated over a long period. And uh, we here at Filibuster are are with you, Big Rob, and uh, certainly support anyone going and just throwing all the money they can afford to do at that raffle to, to help Big Rob out. Um, that said, I think that's it for us. Oh, patreon.com slash filibuster for whatever money you have left over after the raffle. Uh, for Jason and Ben, I'm Adam thanking Abby one more time. Say goodbye, Jason. Jason, goodbye.